Let us worship God. From the book of Deuteronomy, the 18th chapter, beginning with the 15th verse. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. Holy One, we give you thanks for these ancient words and for the lives of those who have carried them down throughout the ages. We ask that you would open our hearts and minds this morning, that your word might fall afresh upon us this day. Amen. The Holy One, your God, will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You shall heed such a prophet. This is what you requested of God at Horeb 
On the day of the assembly, when you said, If I hear the voice of my God any more, or ever again see this great fire, I will die. Then the Holy One replied to me, They are right in what they have said. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their own people. I will put my words in the mouth of the prophet, who shall speak to them everything that I command. Anyone who does not heed the words of the prophet shall speak in my name. I myself will hold accountable. But any prophet who speaks in the name of other gods or who presumes to speak in my name a word that I have not commanded the prophet to speak, that prophet shall die. Here ends the reading. Oh
A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then, there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent, and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, throwing him into convulsions and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. Here ends the reading. Years ago, I was a chaplain at the county hospital in Fresno. Most of my patients were Mexican farm workers. One of my patients was lucky to have family nearby who would bring him the healing benefits of his favorite home-cooked food. His food was much better than the hospital food. and more nutritious. He was a leukemia patient who spent long periods in the hospital. I had the privilege of visiting with him many times. One day he invited me to eat with him and enjoy the food that his family had just brought him. As he watched me enjoying his food, he thanked me for eating with him. He said, no one else in the hospital will eat with me. They think our food is unclean. I remember him still, but I can't remember his name. Not having access to his name puts his identity now further from my grasp. His identity is receding into the cloud of my fading memories. What does it mean to be clean or unclean? What is the power of knowing someone's name? In the Old Testament, being unclean has to do mostly 
with how one follows the many dietary laws and with being properly and ritually prepared to go to temple. Certain physical conditions and functions were also singled out as unclean. In the New Testament, being unclean refers mostly to unclean spirits or demons. There was a clear sense in the minds of people that there were many unclean beings and evil spirits lurking and looking to do us harm. The people also had a clear sense that knowing someone's name invested the knower with power over the named person. It was not a good thing for an enemy to know your name. But naming is powerful. God has Adam name the animals in the Garden of Eden. And throughout Scripture, God calls us by name. From the prophet Isaiah, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. From the Gospel of John, to him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So, why does Mark have the unclean spirits calling out Jesus by name and title? It's a power play. The unclean spirits seek to have power over Jesus by having the nerve to use his name and title. Instead, Jesus keeps his power and authority intact and shows his power and authority over the unclean spirits. Jesus commanded the unclean spirits to be quiet. He did not allow the evil spirits to speak about his identity as the Son of God because he would not allow God's purposes to be thwarted by distorted demons. How often, even today, or maybe especially today, is the name of Jesus proclaimed and invoked in unclean thirst for power and as a cover for doing evil. Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the reign of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Jesus comes to change the system. The system hisses back. 
Jesus' presence upsets the system. God creates good out of chaos. Evil spirits do their unclean work by taking the good of creation and causing chaos in an attempt to take control. What does Jesus say about being clean and unclean? A little bit later in Mark, he says, it's not what goes into a person that makes them unclean, but it is what comes out of a person that makes them unclean. Jesus sets aside the dietary laws as a measure of who is clean and unclean. He turns things around and upside down. It's not what we consume, but what we exude that makes us unclean. Jesus is teaching us to change our way of thinking. Much religious practice is based on appearance, on following the rules about the externals, what we eat, how we wash, how we quote the Bible, and on and on. Jesus says that what comes out of our mouths from our hearts is what shows whether we are clean or unclean. Not what we put into our mouths and that then passes through our digestive system. Foul excrement is what it should be. A foul heart is an aberration. Our lives are journeys of dialectic paradox and not knowing everything. But we keep looking for ways to escape that journey with various forms of fundamentalism. Thinking we know more than we do, seeing our tribe as clean and the others as unclean. In that same hospital where I shared that delicious clean food with my patient, I was in the chaplain's office one day and a chaplain's aide came in and in a bright bubbly greeting she looked at me and said, good morning, sir. How are you today? Well, I made the mistake of telling her the truth. <laughs> I was sick and not feeling well, and I really shouldn't have been in the hospital that day. She was horrified that I was sick. And she said, oh, I never let Satan do that to me. I will never be sick. I thought, what a wonderful theology for visiting the sick. So I replied, so you are sure that you will never get sick? Well, yes, I am sure. I am blessed. I will never get sick. Oh. 
Then I asked, so if you never get sick, how are you going to die? Well, shocked by my question, she said, well, surely not from being sick. I then reflected, so you will die only by an act of violence? Do you think you'll die on a cross? Well, I do run the danger of being a smart aleck. <laughs> and I suspect that the lady in the hospital ran the danger of oversimplifying life's paradoxes and human weakness. Throughout human history, we struggle with unanswered, unanswerable conundrums, questions, and paradoxes. Why do we suffer? get sick, die, do evil, get taken over by addiction. The wise, W-H-Y-S, spin us, spin us in circles. Throughout the ages, we have tried to come up with explanations. In the time and place of Jesus, there was the widespread belief that the world was inundated with demons. The Hebrew word, which I probably won't pronounce correctly, was matzikin. And that's translatable as one who does harm. Demon is one who does harm. Demons are malignant beings who come between God and humans to do us harm. Jesus enters into the world of this understanding and he takes authority over the harm doers by refusing to give them the power of his name. How are we being harmed today by unclean utterances of misinformation? which are designed to cause chaos, hatred, and division. And some of this takes cover under the unclean use of the name of Jesus and Christian. Our pat answers just don't work. Jesus keeps turning things around and upside down. Over the years, I've been working on four ways to question our easy, pat answers about human suffering and the question of being clean or unclean. Who made us think that all suffering is an enemy or a sign of being unclean? We can correct the thinking from our dominant, secular, materialistic culture by realizing that having some taste of joy requires the freedom and wisdom which come to us only through the suffering of letting go, going through the pain of grief. 
And who made us believe that all suffering and bad things that happen to us are the will of God? And can even rack up points for us in heaven to correct certain forms of folk Christianity there is no value to the search for mere suffering. We don't need to get into a contest of I am holier than you because I suffer more. Misery and guilt are not signs of holiness or ways to make us clean. And who made us believe that faith and right living or making ourselves look clean would end all of our suffering. To correct certain forms of American individualism, the denial and avoidance of suffering at any cost buys us tremendous misery in the form of emptiness and isolation. My suffering is not necessarily a sign of my lack of faith or of being unclean. And on the other side of that, my earthly prosperity is not a sign of being clean and among the elect. And who fooled us into thinking that life should always be fair and logical according to the demands of our expectations? To correct some of the early Old Testament thinking, our suffering is not in proportion to our sin. Now we do meet consequences of our decisions and actions, yet life is not so fair, merciless, logical, or black and white that there is any proportion between our present suffering and our sin. As I keep encountering suffering, my neat formulations for life are continuously undone. I keep discovering someone greater, greater than myself and my own plans. The mystery expands. Well, the mystery has already expanded. I expand into the mystery. My own suffering can be held and contemplated. I find more courage to change, more patience to let things be, less need to control, and less need to flee my suffering, and more trust in being cleaned by Jesus' exorcising, healing love. And tomorrow's unclean utterances of misinformation will probably upset and confuse me again.
As we continue now with the prayer chants, you are invited in the silence of your hearts to offer your prayers of intercession and supplication, those prayers for the world, for those you love, and for yourself to be given to God.
song and in community. And for that, we give you our thanks and our praise. Amen. Go forth, beloved ones, and expand into the mystery of God. And may the grace of God who created you in love, the peace of Christ who teaches it is possible to be love, and the power of the Spirit who calls you ever forward into new experiences of love be and abide with you this day, this week, and evermore. Amen. Amen.